thank you, Anna, for being with us today. Great, thank you. Okay, first of all, a question about you. In your profile, we can read, I report, produce, shoot and edit films from BBC News website, social media and TV and report for radio. Is this the way the BBC is operating now, which I could say full stack journalist by taking a word, if I can, from the IT sector? Uh, or is this something peculiar to you and maybe other young journalists? So I think it's a two-pronged question. Part of it is the way that I joined the BBC. So I joined as a trainee journalist. And as a trainee journalist, you get trained in TV, in radio, in online and in digital. Um, so part of it was the training I received. I was taught to do all of the different roles for all of the different platforms. Um, the other thing is I, I then went into digital journalism and I learned very early on that if you want to leave the building, you have to be uh, working in video really because text and even radio to an extent, you can get stuck at your desk. So I thought it was a lot more fun to get out of the building um, to actually film things, to actually meet people and interview people. And for me, that's what being a journalist is about. And then having learned how to film and how to edit, now as a reporter, it makes me much better at uh, knowing what shots to get or knowing how to report the piece because I have the experience and the skills of uh, putting the piece together from the other end as well. Okay. So among other activities, what you do is to fact check the con your content from social media. In fact, this is the way I, I, I heard about you the first time, which was on BBC World Service a few days ago, uh, talking about, of course, uh, the Ukrainian situation. So the question is, how is the BBC organized for this particular task? So I think the role of journalism nowadays is uh, fact-checking videos on social media is a huge part of it. I think it's part of modern day journalism. We have to make sure that we report accurately. We know there's a huge amount of disinformation around. We need to be able to verify that the information that we're putting out is accurate. Um, so in terms of how the BBC is organized, we have specific teams who have got open source investigative skills. Um, the main team is the UGC team, it's the user generated content team, and what they do is they look through uh, things that people are posting online, so the Ukraine videos, for example, coming out of Ukraine will be what we call user generated content, and then they use a series of different tools and methods to make sure that the content that the user generated content is accurate and genuine. Um, then there's another team, uh, which I'm part of, of disinformation specialists. So we have similar experiences uh, and similar skills. What we do is we help to verify the videos and then we report on trends about misleading information that's being spread deliberately. So you said disinformation, is this the word? Because I, I wasn't sure when I heard it on the, on the radio last day. Yeah, so disinformation as opposed to misinformation. And it's quite an important difference. So misinformation is uh, incorrect information that is spread, but disinformation is when that incorrect information is spread with intent. And the intent is often what we're seeing for political or for financial gain. So it's the deliberate spread of false or misleading information. So we'll go, come, come back to this point later, but first I want to ask you, how do you actually verify videos? Uh, you, you mentioned also keyframes in your broadcast and I was curious about that also. 
So, you know, the first thing to do is to look at the piece of information, the source. As a journalist, you get used to looking at sources and analyzing them um, and having a, you know, a feeling in your gut as to whether you feel that this is accurate or not, that it actually fits in with the, the picture, the narrative of what we're seeing, for example, on the ground in Ukraine. Does it make sense? Do we know that a certain attack took place in a certain location at a certain time? In the video, you can look for clues, you can look for things like street signs or landmarks, you can look at the weather and see if it actually makes sense with what you know the weather is on a certain day at a certain time. You can uh, look at the language being used and check that the accents um, are correct you know, for the for the region that you know that you're covering, uh, we have colleagues that uh, that will help us translate from Ukrainian and Russian again to make sure that 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 what people are saying fits with what we think the narrative would be in in this kind of context. Then you can you can use tools. Um, as I mentioned, there's these open source investigative tools like um, geolocation, which is where you can cross reference the location of a of a of a piece of information with satellite images and platforms like Google Earth. When videos and photos are uploaded, they come with a whole uh, host of metadata, and the metadata is things like the time that it was that photo was taken the date the type of phone that was used so certain platforms allow you to actually look at the metadata and to investigate that to check if that it is it is what it says it is it's it's a video that was filmed at the date and the time and the location that it says it is um we can also contact the people who are posting the videos as well we can ask them did you take this video if they say yes, we can ask for more details. We would expect them to be able to answer certain questions if they're claiming that they took the video at a certain place and at a certain time. And we can also cross-reference that information with our reporters and our correspondents um, on the ground. So we've got teams at the moment throughout Russia and Ukraine who are reporting, who we trust, and we can cross-reference all of the information with them, with other sources on social media, and essentially, put all of these clues together to, to get a rounded picture of whether we think that this source is, uh, is accurate, it's genuine, or whether it's deliberately misleading. I didn't answer about your, uh, your question about the keyframes. So, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so keyframes of a video are essentially these uh, still photos that are taken from the video at certain points, right? So for example, you might get um, a frame from each main scene in a video. And what we can do with these keyframes is something called a reverse image search. So like you would use Google and type in a word, and then it would search the whole internet for that word. You can do the same with images where you would drag and drop a, an image, it could be a photo of a keyframe from a video, and it will cross-reference the internet to see if that particular image has been used anywhere else. And what that's really useful for for us is knowing that a, a piece of footage or a photo that claims to be from today actually is the first reference to that on the internet. So what we've seen a lot of in, in Ukraine is old footage from 2014 or even footage from completely different attacks from, um, from, from the explosion in Lebanon, for example, uh, even video game footage being recycled, claiming to be from the war in Ukraine. And by doing a reverse video or reverse 
image search, we can find out the, the first mention of that piece of information on the internet. Okay, so another question. The BBC has probably the most extensive network of journalists on ground in Ukraine. Do, do you ever talk to them and ask them, can, can you check if this video is really true or fake or you just... Absolutely, absolutely. So we have journalists on the ground um, and we will reach out to them and ask, you know, for example, we see on social media uh, a video of this a building that claims to be damaged and we might know that we have a correspondent nearby and we can ask if they're hearing reports of the same thing so yes that's definitely one of our one of our channels um to make sure that our our information is verified um they're also sending us stuff they're also sending us images and and asking us to verify that because they want to use social media images in their reports for locations they can't get to i mean journalists can't get can't be everywhere at the same time um, and then our, our verification efforts are often seen by another pair of eyes from, from within the team. So once we've checked that a piece of content is, is, is verified and authentic, we often ask another journalist to have a look at it. Um, and then our editor makes the final call on whether to run it. Uh, and that's not only the, the verification side of things, there's also copyright and clearance, um, because these pieces of video are being posted by people and if, if those people took the video then technically they own the copyright to it um so we need to think about whether we can use this video and also there's there's an exception to these kind of copyright laws at least in the uk when we're using this video to report on a current event so um our editors will make the final call on whether or not to use a piece of content and if, in fact uh, i was wondering this pro process looks like it's very complex and so the question is uh, how long uh, how long it takes uh, before you complete your checks on your side and then maybe you get an okay from some higher level uh, to to go on higher on online so that really depends on many things. I mean, how long is a piece of string? It depends on the video and how easy or difficult it is to verify. Um, there are some videos that just are impossible to verify because we don't have the metadata. We don't have enough information on the actual video to make a, a judgment call that we would be confident to use it. Um, so the way we're arranging our verification at the moment with, with everything that's happening in Ukraine is we've got a, a, a WhatsApp chat, an open source investigation WhatsApp chat, where people from across the BBC can send links to things they might have seen or to pieces of video that may have been sent by their sources. And then those uh, requests are triaged by a team of uh, producers um, who have these open source investigative skills. And if a, you know, it depending on the on the request. So if an urgent request comes in um, for a video that might be showing new information that we don't know about, it might be prioritized. Or if there's an on-air deadline, for example, the six o'clock news is about to go out, um, then those will be prioritized. And then once uh, our producers have had a look and seen if they can verify the information or not, uh, we mark it in the document as either green, which is we're confident that we can use this in broadcast. We're confident this is accurate. Yellow, which means uh, it's actually Im impossible for, to verify, uh, but we still want uh, editors to know that we have looked at it and they can make their own judgment call on whether or not they want to use it. 
or red, which is we think this is disinformation, we think this is fake news. Um, so the timing for all of that, you know, how long is a piece of string? It depends on how complex the video is. Sometimes we can turn it around in half an hour. Sometimes it will take a day or even two to try and get all of these checks done. Good. Uh, what, what, what kind of social media channels are you monitoring or are work best at present? Are, are there different type of material on different platforms? So we're monitoring a whole host of different platforms. Um, when news breaks, Twitter is the place to go and its use of hashtags makes it very easy to group content. There are very good online tools that help you see relevant content coming up as well. So Twitter is a place for breaking news. Um, on YouTube, we're seeing longer videos uh, being posted. On TikTok, we're seeing younger people generally, a, a younger users um, posting videos that tend to be much shorter, around a minute. Uh, there's also the use of live streams on TikTok, which is where people can post live from, from an event. So we have seen some authentic live streams from the ground in Ukraine. Uh, we've also seen some interesting fake videos coming out of TikTok. So this, uh, this live stream feature, people have been creating fake live streams and asking for donations or gifts, which is a feature of the live stream uh, in order to kind of monetize the content. And sometimes the content we're seeing is, is not genuine. We've been able to trace that footage to somewhere else. Or another feature of TikTok is the ability to, to clone a piece of audio from another video and then put your own video in front of it and uh, basically to create kind of doctored footage. So we've seen pieces of video with audio from the explosion in Beirut uh, and video from people running around their own homes claiming to be uh, of civilians in Ukraine. Um, so we've also been looking at Instagram uh, where we've seen some war pages popping up. So there are pages that go viral just by posting war videos. Um, so we are looking at them and trying to work out if they're authentic or not. There was one that claimed to be of a journalist in Ukraine, but actually uh, we were able to see that their videos had been doctored. Um, and then platforms like Telegram and WhatsApp are really useful because um, on Telegram and WhatsApp, you can post publicly and you can post privately. So people are sending video um, to their personal contacts and we're able to uh, access some of that video and, and check it as well. Okay, so one last question. I wonder if you can estimate more or less how much the fake news uh, phenomenon is uh, important, how much uh, of fake news content you have related to real content and also why? Why is so many people doing fake videos? So it's impossible to estimate how much as a you know as a percentage um but we are seeing a huge amount of fake videos and um we are being alerted to the fact that there are more of them around and that's what tends to happen when there's a crisis when there is so uh so much chaos so much disruption and when people are desperate for news on a, on a breaking situation that is affecting them and their lives um, also, a lot of the fake videos we're seeing appeal to people's emotions, um, whether the people posting them want to go viral or whether they actually want to monetize it or, you know, 
get more followers for their channel. So uh, I mentioned before the, the difference between misinformation and disinformation, where disinformation is deliberately spread for political reasons or to make money. And in terms of political reasons, uh, we know that there is a huge amount of pro-Russia propaganda out there. Um, there are coordinated attempts by the Russian government to spread disinformation, for example, saying that there isn't a war or that the uh, injured people we're seeing are actors, that the attacks in Ukraine are justified in the name of peace. And we have absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever. Um, there are also some pro-Ukrainian uh, propaganda channels as well. It's important to notice. And then another interesting uh, reason is actually the monetization. So people can make money by spreading disinformation. They can uh, create fake news articles or fake videos because they want to gain followers. And for example, on YouTube, the bigger your following, the more you can monetize your videos. Um, and we have seen people creating hoax videos in order to, to beg for donations for Ukraine, uh, where actually those donations might go directly into their personal Bitcoin wallets. So I think uh, at times of crisis, all kinds of people might uh, hop on any opportunity to spread disinformation for, for, for deliberate reasons. Um, and in order to to spread a political message or to make money. Um, I think actually one more thing I'm gonna add is that uh, it's important to mention what social media is doing about this as well. So um, there are always claims that social media is not doing enough, that these platforms are allowing themselves to be um, used for the spread of disinformation. But we have seen quite a large response from social media sites um, because of, of the spread of disinformation, particularly around the, the war in Ukraine. So TikTok has now stopped people posting new videos out of uh, Ukraine. Um, sorry, out of Russia. Um, Facebook and Instagram, uh, which are owned by Meta, have blocked Russian channels and YouTube has blocked the, the state broadcaster Russia today. So um, they are taking action to take down content when it's been flagged as disinformation. Anna, thank you very much for your time and congratulations for your work. Thank you very much.